Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 112. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Matt, hi. I am on food poisoning watch right now. Really? Well, okay, <laughs> I please explain. I some dinner today. with the, We call it the chickpea stew because it's stew, but it's primarily made with chickpeas. Um, but with it, you need to put a cup of vegetable broth in. So I went into my refrigerator and I pulled out the box of vegetable broth that's in there and I started pouring it out. And then it stopped pouring for a second. And I went, well, that's weird. There's still some in here. There's a lot in here. Why is it stopping? And then it like started coming out in like this gelatinous blob instead of clear liquid. And I was going, oh God, that can't be good. And like the expiry date said June 18th, 2020, which we are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my wife's like, that's the seal date, not the open date. And I was like, woof. Well, I kept going, keeping the gelatinous blob in there, but... Mm, I've served some semi-questionable vegetable broth. So you're playing with fire, Mitch. I this could be a real interesting episode, is what you're saying. Yeah. So if I have to run, just I, I'm drinking tea, which should be good, except for the fact that I stirred too violently, and so it, it like the tea bag exploded in my tea, and I didn't want to have to go make another one. So it's you're a mess. Full of leaves. You're a hot mess right now. I'm literally a hot mess right now. So we'll see what happens. My wife tried to reassure me that the questionable um, vegetable broth was not so questionable, but uh, my my tum tum isn't uh, isn't listening to her. I guess. Oh boy. Okay. What's going on with you? Uh, I have nothing that pressing to say <laughs> after that because that just wow. All right, this is gonna be a real interesting show. Uh, no, I'm just excited to talk about the Islanders. We have three games under our belt now at this point to talk about, and, and I'm excited to get into it, Mitch. Let's do that. Let's get to the content, and hopefully I don't uh, mm, yes. on the mic. I, I shouldn't. I think I'm okay. Okay, so before we get into it, it's episode 112, so do we have an addition? We do have an addition, so thank you, Piper, for the idea. Uh, so the a 12... Oh, wait, let me just make sure I got this right, because I, I, mm, I feel like I pulled up the wrong draft here. I did not. Yes. Okay. I just typoed on my thing here. So this is the Jesse Graham edition. God so almighty. what we're doing here... <laughs> uh, For every podcast that we do over 100, we are going to take a player from that year. So in this case, 2012. um, uh, And I'm going to ask Matt three questions on that player. See if he knows them. Uh, So after the we've done our three typical topics and before we get to our social segment, 
we'll get to this, Matt. We'll get you to three questions on Jesse Graham uh, and this being his episode. The ode to Jesse Graham. Do you remember him? No, not even a little bit. This should be an interesting. <laughs> uh, this should definitely be an interesting one. So with that, Mitch, let's get right into it. So let's start by briefly talking about the Islanders' first three games and we should mention that after each and every game, we record a post-game show, and you can get access to that post-game podcast on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. It's five bucks a month, and you get 82 games worth of post-game shows. It's, it's worth it. Plus Mitch. mailbag, plus newsletter, plus, plus, plus. If we have to record an, ex- uh, an emergency pod, that's where it's going to happen. So like, there's a ton of stuff going on. Community yeah, the- posts, all kinds of stuff. There is a lot go- more going on. Thank you for adding in on that. It- it's You're getting a lot of extra content for the uh, five bucks. So uh, with that, we're just going to get into the overarching themes from the first three games. Uh, thoughts? Uh, eh? Like, it, it was three games, uh, three very different games, right? In terms of, like, the output. Okay, how about this? Yeah. You can use one word or a sound to describe your feeling after the first three Islanders games? Uh, Okay, I'm good, I guess. That's like the sentiment that I'm trying to convey. I know you only said one word, but I'm trying to convey a feeling, like a a, a gif or a meme. Okay, I think I'm going to go with... eh. Yeah... I th- yeah, that's fair. Like the, the Winnipeg game got us all out of our seats going, yes, here we go, baby. But then you look at the Winnipeg blue line and you go, I don't care, baby. I'm still doing this. It's almost like that uh, new viral meme where it's like the girl who's trying the whatever for the first time and she's like, I don't like it, then thinks about it and then's like, no, yeah, I don't like it. That's kind of what it was because it was like bad, good, bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bad, good, bad. Well, game one wasn't terrible. They played okay. They just didn't actually score a goal. Yeah, because they were speaking. Right, because Devontae shot it off like 52 Capitals players. <laughs> Every single Washington Capitals player. He was bouncing around the rink and everything like a pinball. Um, so, first game, n- offense was not that great. No. Second game, offense was good from the second period on. Mm-hmm. And then third game, offense not so great again. Not so great whatsoever. So it really went all over the board in terms of the offense, uh, which sucks because we were hoping to maybe get some more. Again, it's game three. Like, we're three games in. Like, nothing is set in stone at this point. Like, the Islanders weren't the Islanders we know them to be or knew them to be last year after three games. Um, But you can draw some, not conclusions, but you can look at it and and see, like, well, clearly the offense is what we thought was going to be in the offseason, as in not great. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely hasn't been great. And like I said, from these first three games, that's what the podcast is going to be mostly about is storylines from these games. One that really sticks out to me and that we're going to talk a little bit more at length about is Anthony Beauvillier and his start to the season. So last year, he has an extremely slow start to the 2018-2019 uh, season. He had one point in 16 games, Mitch. Uh, I remember. I remember the 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 three sixteen cuts that we did. The first sixteen one point. The second sixteen a bunch of points, and then the next sixteen not so much. That's almost one point in a quarter of the season. Nonetheless, yeah. um, he started out of the gate really slow. 
This year, he's coming out like a bat out of hell. Like, he has four points in three games, two goals. Is Anthony Beauvillier good? Has he figured it out? Is he good? Well, we, we've always known that he had this potential. It's just he's never had this consistency. Well, not this consistency. Three games is not consistent. Um, he's never shown consistency is what I should say. So are, are we, we're getting into our, our Bovillia chat right now. We're, 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 we're done with the game recaps? Correct. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to, anyways, filter myself. Uh, well, with Bo, it's, it's, yeah, that's the thing. It's a consistency issue. We've, we've, have, we've seen flashes of this, right? In 2017, 2018, he had the end of the season, right, where he was amazing on, on a 60-point pace. But he didn't. The, the first part of the season, the first, like, 32 games, he was absolute garbage. Right? I think he had eight points or something like that in the first 32 games before he was sent down to the AHL for, like, 25 seconds. Just about. I mean, it might have been 24 seconds even. <laughs> it might have been just enough to play like 15 games. That's how quick the, uh, how many games there are in the AHL. <laughs> Pretty much. Not true. It's just that they, they pack them on it in short periods. Um, but it, so the thing for Bo is that is he a good player? Yeah, he's shown he can be a good player, but he's never shown that he can be a good player over the year. Like, great. He's got four points now. Sweet. He can go dormant for 40 games at this point and then put on another 24 and then the other 40. And then you're going, well, you're still just a 28 point player. Like, great. That's the thing. I, am I happy that he's off to this hot start? Of course. And he oh, looks yeah. really good on that third line with Broussard and Komarov, even though we donned it one of the more boring lines the Islanders could. Ah, actually, no, that was we with Dow Cole. That was with Dow Cole. I caught That's myself. correct. I caught myself there. Um, <laughs> good call. <laughs> so uh, with Beauvillier, am I, ha- am I happy that he's off to this hot start? Of course I am. I'm just not ready to say like, okay, yeah, he's figured it out. Anthony Beauvillier is back, blah, 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 because... We've seen him go hot and cold so many times. I need a bigger sample size than four games. Oh, yeah, easily. You're going to need half a season to figure this out. Because, again, like when he was sent down to the AHL, he was sent down in January. January 7th was the last day he played uh, before being sent down. Uh, He had eight points his name in 32 games. That's garbage. And then he came back and just destroyed everyone. Right, just absolutely went on man possessed. Is what he, remember the last six games of the season? He had five five goals in five games, or in, right. in those six games, insane. Um, but he needs to show that over a longer period. It's so far so good. Like, keep in mind that's two seasons then before this, where he starts off like molasses in December, just absolutely frozen. It looks like the gelatinous blob that came out of my uh, vegetable broth today. It just just doesn't want to come off. It's so slow moving. Just That's what he was doing in 1718 and 1819. And now, for some reason, in 1920, it's just clicking. And I, I have three possibilities that I would like you to choose one of Ooh, okay, to say like what this. is the factor for okay. Anthony Beauvillier. One, is it a French-Canadian on the team in Derek Broussard? And not only just on the team, but he's on his line. Is that helping him? Okay, let me hear my other options. Number two, is it another year with Leo Komarov? That seemed to work last year. I know, I saw you roll your eyes. I felt it even. Um, There's that, you know, he's getting familiar with a player that he's known before. Maybe uh, Leo's picked up a sixth language and and, and learned French-Canadian, which is really just saying le all the time. (laughs) <laughs> le, le, sit, le. Just you're, you're good. Hey, where's the truck? Le? Done. Like a French, a French Canadian understands that. Um, or is it cons- uh, the uh, stability of a coach? 
Because he's been in the league four years now, including this one, and he's had three different coaches. I like the coach one the best. That's the one I like the best, too. Just because I don't want to... I feel like the other ones slightly diminish Bovillier's accomplishments, in a sense. It's almost like saying, like, he's benefiting because of Broussard and Komarov, and if if one of the options was Barzal, then it wouldn't be so... I don't know if offensive is the right word, but I guess derogatory, maybe, towards Bo. Just because I feel like Broussard and Komarov are not the caliber of player that should elevate someone like Anthony Bovillier. Anthony Bovillier should be elevating them. It should be the the flip. Right, but the the elevation that he's getting from them or the bump that he's getting isn't because they're better players or, or their level of plays. It's it's a familiarity thing. Something that they're bringing out of him emotionally or mentally, it seems. Okay, I'm going to go with option 3 though. I like the coaching one the best. I also prefer that one cuz I think that's also the right one. I, I just think that they've both kind of figured out how they can coexist in, within the same system. A, uh, being Barry Trotz, making sure that he's got a role for him. And Beauvillier now, B, being able to fit that role and play within that role and do so competently. Absolutely. So, which then helps us decide in our next question that we wrote down, down here is, should he be on line number two? If if coaching is the, the, the catalyst for him, then you would you would think like yeah why not? I think so. I do, especially because, and I think this is going to get looped into this conversation with who's currently on line number two, and Michael Dalcolo is giving you nothing right now. Not a whole lot. He really isn't. No. I, yesterday's game, he gave the Islanders uh, zero shots, one hit, one giveaway, and he was a minus one in ten and a half minutes. That. Yeah. Again, if you want to argue as a third-line player, I could say I could maybe live with that. Maybe. I mean, it's not great, but you could say, all right, I guess. But playing with Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey? No, he doesn't deserve to play on that wing. If anything, Beauvillier does with his play. I think it's more, like you said, with the coach and with Beauvillier than it has to do with Komarov and Broussard. So I brought up some numbers. I, I posted something today about Michael Del Cole, and some of the numbers I've got here are his five on st- five on five relative stats. So these are the stats of him being on the ice, J- just him, his Corsi, his Fenwick, his scoring chance generation, uh, yeah, uh, generation, uh, his expected goals for and his high danger chances for. The only one that he's in like the top five or even just in the top half of the forward core for the Islanders is expected goals for. He's at a 4.59 expected goals for everything else. Corsi, so that's all shots, not including blocked ones. Fenwick, including blocked shots. Um, scoring chances and high danger chances for in the bottom half to the bottom quarter of the Islanders' forwards. So the only thing that he's good at is expected goals for, which is a, pre- uh, a pretty good predictor of how well a player can do. But if he's so high he has and has zero points, to me, that tells me that he's being wasteful with the good opportunities he's generating. Because the thing we have to remember with expected goals for is that it rates uh, the quality of the shot that the player is, 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 is taking. Mm-hmm. It's not just like how many shots is he taking. It's what type of shot. Where is that shot coming from? Is it off a rebound? Is it um, a one-timer? The, the type of shot really matters. And he's getting good looks, but he's not doing anything with it. They expect he should be close to five goals at four and a half. 
Obviously, that's inflated because, I mean, not inflated, but it's a little off because there's only three games in the sample and the, the math are a little wonky. Um, but he's nowhere near that. He has no points, no goals. And from what I can tell, he hasn't even gotten close to scoring a goal. So, like, to me, he's not giving you anything whatsoever, and there's there's no argument against it. No, I really think he gets scratched on Friday. I think they put Tom Kunakle into the lineup. Yeah, I see. I don't want to see that. I I want to see them put him in a better situation or use him better. But you're you're probably right. Like I just feel like Barry Trotz kind of hinted at a lineup change anyway, and that's the most logical one. I don't think they're going to put Ross Johnston in. Well, if they do, no, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't put him and Martin out on the on the on, on the ice at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I definitely don't think so, but. Uh, to get to the point here, out of everyone currently on the Islanders roster, Anthony Bovillier makes the most sense in the top six with Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. So I completely agree. Unless you then think, you not then, but unless you think that of the three factors I named earlier, Broussard and or Komarov is the factor that's helping Bo out, and then you don't move him off line three because he's doing so well because of his surrounding. Okay, then if... You want to sell me on that logic, then Michael Dockle has to be a scratch and you have to play Tom Kunakle until Oliver Wallstrom's ready in maybe a month. I hope so. Like, I, oh God, but you're right. Like, I, I make this disgusting face as if I don't agree with you, but I 100% agree with you. My disgusting face is that we went from Michael Dockle to Tom Kunakle in our top six. I mean, Michael Dockle has proved not to be all that much better than Tom Kunakle because, I mean, at least last year, Kunakle showed some success with that line in the playoffs. That's true. That's true. I really want Michael Dalcole to figure it out. I really want this to work. It's just, it doesn't, it, it seems forced. It seems contrived, and it's just not happening. Uh, it's only three games in, so would I give him more time? Sure. I could definitely give him more time, but... <laughs> If I'm looking to make a change, that's the first one I'm making, is is bumping up Bo and bumping down Del Cole. Well, it makes sense because the Islanders struggle so much to score goals. You have someone as hot as Anthony Beauvillier and someone as ice cold as Michael Del Cole. You would think putting Bo, who is hot, with Brock Nelson and uh, Josh Bailey, who both had over 50 points last year, might optimize your lineup a little bit. Now, how about this? Okay. Um, the entire second line has not been doing well. So the metrics that I talked to you about just a second ago, so Corsi, Fenwick, blah, blah, all those metrics, all three of them, so them being Del Cole, Nelson, Bailey, have not been doing well. So arguably putting Anthony Bovillier there wouldn't necessarily work, or it may not necessarily work. Now, okay. Well, now, what if okay. you just put him up top with Barzell? So Bovillier... Barzal, uh, Eberly, and then move Lee down to number two. So you have your veteran line, and then that that should be fine. And then you put Dalakol on line three with Broussard and Komarov. Okay, I could. All right, I could do that. that, that I'm just thinking of that on the spot. This is just is just coming up now. I I like it better. Um, but I I just think that Bo needs more offensive opportunities right now because I, I haven't looked it up, but I would imagine his zone starts are are more in the defensive side than they are in the offensive side right now. Yeah, I would think so. And like most of, or well, at least yesterday, his, his goal and the one off the post, it wasn't like he was a, a, a long, you know, offensive zone, you know, holding the puck in, in the zone for a while. It was... Leo Komarov making a really nice play on the penalty kill, and then Bovillier kind of uh, streaking in by himself. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, and then we've seen him score goals like that before, right? Remember against Pittsburgh in... 16-17. Was it that year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good goal, right? It's kind of the same thing. Picks up the puck in the neutral zone, skates it in, gets around Matt Murray, who has not looked good recently. Um, just great stuff from Bo. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for Anthony Beauvillier. I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's a, only a small sample size. He's going to regress. I really hope he continues at this strength, and I'm, I'm excited about his production that he's given the Islanders. I just... I'm curious to see what happens, you know, next week when we're doing this show. Are we still talking about Anthony Beauvillier's hot start, or is he back to being invisible? Oh, God, like, yeah, no player is going to be obviously as consistent as like Connor McDavid or Nikita Kucherov. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that's the kind of pace he's on right now. He's on a hundred nine point pace as it stands right now. Yeah, which is possible, I guess, but unlikely, very unlikely. Um. But man, I want to see him do well. I want I want to see sixty points out of him because he's got he's got the flair. He's got that possibility, and we've seen it before. God, I want to see it. We need it so bad this year. I'd even sign up for forty at this point. I think. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'll take that. Look, we've had Brock Nelson sit around playing forty point hockey for how long until he finally turned into a fifty point player? Same thing goes with Josh Bailey, forty point player until like boom. Oh, guess what, guys? I can score seventy one points in a year. Yeah. And even when he regressed, I'm using air quotes, to what? He had 56 points last year? That's right. I'll take that from my sec- a second line winger. I'll take 56 points. Exactly. Who remember Anthony Bovillia was free. We got him from Griffin Reinhardt along with Matthew Barzile and another second round that we already had from... Tampa Bay. Yeah, but... No, God. Anyways, we sent two second rounds to Tampa for their first round. And I forget where we got the other second round oh, from. Oh, oh, oh. Because okay. it wasn't ours. We got Edmonton's and we got, I think it was Florida's or something. Okay, that I don't remember. Man, doesn't matter. It's nitty-gritty stuff. Okay. Anything else on Anthony Beauvillier's hot start? Just maybe his dad needs to be in the audience more frequently because it seems that he scores every time his dad is sitting in the stands. Yeah, it definitely seems that way, right? So he just needs to move to New York. The whole family, the whole Beauvillier clan, just déménager in New York. Okay, guys? Finis ça. Le. Yes, please. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Uh, okay, so let's get into something that's a little bit off the ice. Matthew Barzell, as we know, is due a contract at the end of the year. Now, he's not a UFA. He's a restricted free agent, so the Islanders still have his rights. Nonetheless, this past offseason, we saw a lot of drama go on with RFAs. But a little glimmer of hope, Mitch, because it seems like discussions have started already. Yes. So Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic and TSN, I guess, um, has indicated that Barzell's agent, uh, J.P. Barry, I believe is his name, uh, and the Islanders are talking about the possibility of opening negotiations for uh, a contract uh, extension, which is like the, the uh, like a presidential candidate doing a fact-finding mission, I guess. Or what, what do they do? I mean, not a fact-finding mission, but like an exploratory commission or something like that. Like, sure. let's see if if I can run. Are you going to vote for me if I run for president? Oh, my God, there's so many people. Wow, they want me to do it. I might as well go. It's like the most initial stage possible is where they're at. Um, but, God, let's get this done. <laughs> I Yes, I, I really hope so. I really hope that they're able to do that. So it says they say a little bit more, or they Pierre Lebrun says a little bit more than that, and saying that they're hoping to start talking, like exchanging numbers and so on and so forth in the fall, which is now, 
we are currently in the fall. This is the fall, correct? November is the fall. December, I say, is uh, winter. So, yeah, that's fair. Within the next month. Yes. So they should be starting to talk now if they haven't already, uh, which is super exciting. So what, what what can we expect from this? Can we expect something to be done during the season? I'd be very surprised if something got done during the season. Uh, if he's on a point-per-game pace, they might do it, which he is not. He's got one point in three games. Um, but, you know, halfway through the season, if he's got like 40-some-odd points, they might be like, let's just do this now. You're a point-per-game per guy. Let's give you the 10 Ten and a half. Let's not have this escalate to the twelve millions, please and thanks. Okay. Uh, I don't think it happens during the season at all. Like no matter any scenario, if he's slow or right. if he is off to a hot start, I think it's gonna be in some point in June. Yeah, that that makes sense. Like, there's there's no reason for him. There's no like he he being Barzell has not all the leverage but a lot of leverage if he wants to stay then he's got all the leverage cuz the islanders aren't going to trade him unless he's garbage but like even then like that I don't imagine that's no. going to happen um so why would they move him so it just doesn't make any sense for him to to sign now unless he wants to help the team out but they've got like 5 and a half million dollars of the cap space like they don't necessarily need any help yeah that's that's the thing i don't think either side is really going to look to do it during the season. I think Lou seems like someone who's like, I just want to focus on anything this year. And then we could talk about that stuff after the season. I mean, it, it, it seemed that way last year with the, the Robin Leonard situation after the year and the, the talking and when, the, when they were able to talk about contracts when they weren't all that crazy stuff. But with the RFA, I know Barzal's a little bit of a unique case because this past year they just had uh, pretty much Michael Dalcole, Josh Hosang, and Anthony Beauvillier to worry about. Barzal's a little bit more important to what the Islanders are looking to do now and in the future. Regardless, I still think we're looking at June for this to, to get done at, after the season. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. There's a 90 99% chance of this happening in June, July type of thing. Even August, right? Like, Lou didn't get off his butt until, like, end of July, right? He did July 1, and then he's like, I'm going to go sleep for a bit. I'm going to take a load off, and then uh, I'll get you back in July, August, and then we'll sign some guys, and then we're good. It seemed that way. I imagine he does the same. Like Again, neither side is under any any stress necessarily. Like They already know they're going to have to pay Barzell a lot. So at this point, it's his production is going to increase him by, let's say, maximum $2 million AAV. Probably. So like if they being the Islanders are giving themselves that like 10 to $12 million window, they know they're going to operate in that. Or even let's say nine to $12 million window to operate in. They're fine. Like what's that's probably where he's going to end up no matter how he finishes his year. Well, let me ask you this. What kinds of term do you think he's getting? Is he going to get a Lou Lamarillo bridge deal or is he getting a long-term deal? I think that's a topic we have to get into. He's not getting a bridge deal. That's not happening. I would be very surprised if it was a short-term deal. I think you're looking at a long-term deal here. If Lou can get him to a bridge deal of, let's say, like $7 million, right? Or like six, something like a Brock Besser type of deal. Build this man a statue outside of the, uh, of Belmont already. Just get it done. Like, because that's godly level kind of negotiation. Um, but no, it's going to be between five and eight. Yeah, I'm going to lean towards the the latter, the seven or eight years I think you're looking at. I'm not so convinced. No? 
I, I want it. I, I wrote about it and how desperately I wanted him to sign eight years. But why? Why? Why would he? There's no. There's no need. Money. Now, like, but that's the thing. Security? If he signs a five-year deal, he still still get money. Look at Marner and Matthews. I guess. So that just means that well, in five years, we'll just renegotiate, guys, and then you'll give me another couple million dollars on top of what I'm making. That's how this works, right? Well, well, he'll be a UFA after five years. Well, that's the worry. That's what I want to avoid. He'd be an, a UFA after eight years. He'd just be an older UFA, but. You know, I, UF- I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to risk it because we got burned last time. Right. You if Matt Barzell, it's hard to see the future. But Matt Barzell at twenty-seven years old, you probably want to sign. Mm-hmm. You would assume. Yes. So you would. You would love to sign. So, does he want to sign here? I have no reason to believe he wouldn't. Again, the ownership seems much, much, much more stable. Uh, the the health of the franchise is there. They're bringing in players. They tried to bring Panarin in, like. That's a vote of confidence for me, in, in 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 or from for Matthew Barzell. He can look at that and say like they're clearly going to put people around me that can help me, and it's not going to be the John Tavares situation all over all over again. No, you certainly hope not, because that is something I don't want to live through again. The the John <laughs> Tavares situation where he is very good for a long time, they don't get him enough pieces, and then he leaves. Yeah, goes to Vancouver or something. It would be oh, gross. Well. Yeah, either Vancouver or Seattle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, gross. At least we won't get, if it's Seattle, we won't get the bedsheet picture. <laughs> that is one positive bright side. But so. okay, I need your way too early prediction right now. What? Okay, how about this? Yeah, we'll do two. Okay. If you were Lou Lamarillo, yep. what are you giving him? And then part two to that question is what do you think Lou Lamarillo does? If I'm Lou Lamorello, I give Matthew Barzal a eight-year, $9.5 million deal right now. Okay. What I think he does is he waits till August 17th, calls Matthew up and says, like, Matthew, I've got a Werther's original here for you and <laughs> 9 to $10 million for at least five years. What do you say? Okay. And you think he signs that? Okay. I too would do an eight year deal and I would probably go up to I would think ten million would be like where I would be anything over that I'm starting to get a little like that's probably a little rich. And of course we have no idea what he's going to do this year production wise. So are are you assuming he does Calder year or are you assuming sixty three point year? No, if he's doing sixty three point year then that number is looking a lot closer to eight, I think. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so if we're assuming back to Calder year, right? Then you're looking closer, like you said, nine and a half. And I would say I'd be okay with ten. If you're getting ten and a half, eleven, I'm going. I don't know, but I'm not going to complain about it either. I guess no. Well, you're looking at Marner type of uh, of money, right? Ten point eight million dollars, which is pretty like they they're comparable in terms of production, at least in their first two years. Uh, production and underlying numbers, they're equitable. They're the same type of player. Uh, well, one plays a different position. Matthew Bresal being center, so like he's mm-hmm. tipping, you know, worth more. So if he does another Calder year this year, he, you've got to pay him, and it's going to be close to 11, if not already 11. And what I think Lou Lamarillo does, I'm going to say mm, 7 years at $9 million. Okay. 
that's like his line the same line he did with Anders Lee and and Robin Leonard the same line he's gonna have to go back on at one point probably <laughs> I guess right but I'm gonna I just don't think it gets the full eight I want it to but I'm not sure it does right okay I, I I'm with you there I don't think it goes a full eight but I would god I want that to happen so bad it would be great if you can get eight at nine million dollars I'm like you know what I'm gonna throw you guys a bone here's eight at nine build Matthew Barzella damn statue now Done, at this it's over. At this point, right? Retire his number today. He's that's the only it. one who could ever wear it. Thirteen. Done. Thirteen. That's it. Okay. Anything else on Matt Barzell? Sign eight years, buddy. Just sign eight years, please. Absolutely. Okay. Now, coming up next, we're going to get into Noah Dobson and if we think he could be the seventh defenseman. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 112. Mitch, Noah Dobson right now, he played his first NHL game, but he was scratched for the first two. It looks like he is in that seventh defenseman role. What are your thoughts on, one, Noah Dobson in his first game, and then also in the seventh D-man role? Uh, First, you forgot to mention what episode this was. I said 112. Yeah, but it's a Jesse Graham edition. I didn't remember his name, all right? <laughs> How am I supposed to know? You pick the most obscure guys every time. Uh, you might as well be making it up. I don't know, because I don't relook at the draft class. You could be making it up. You could be like, what year did they take Harry Smith? And I'd be, uh, I'd be sitting here scratching my head, trying to rack my brain think of it. And you were just laughing and cackling away like a hyena over there. Hashtag triggered. Um, sorry, what did you say? It, it, Noah Dobson, D-Man. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay, so is... Fixated on Jesse Graham. Okay, right now, we'll start here. Right now, he is in the seventh D-Man role. Yep. Are you okay with that, or are you disappointed that he's in that role? Okay, can can we elaborate? Yes. Uh, So, I don't think... I I know why he's a seventh D-Man. Like it, It makes sense when you consider who's in control of who gets what spot and it's Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz and they like their veteran guys. And that's why number six goes to Johnny Boychuk. You know, he's earned it. He's paid his dues. He's getting paid $6 million a year. Uh, that's why he gets the spot. But we've seen in those two games where Johnny Boychuk played that he's not up to pace. He is not the defenseman that can play 82 games, mainly because he's never done it before. True. Um, but he's not the guy to fit on that blue line in the bottom six, or I guess in the third pair. Uh, and, and certainly he's not a guy that can get any better, right? If anything, he's on the decline. True. He's going to be, and what, 36? He'll be 36 in January, which is fine. He's a, that's a ripe, young age. He's still, you know, perfectly healthy, and everything is going well with him because he's at a good age. Definitely no white hairs. You're not losing any. That's not a thing for Johnny Boychuk. And anyone or else is 36. Mitch Anderson. I think that was coming <laughs> a little bit too close to home, buddy. <laughs> um, but Noah Dobson is a kid who's 19 years old. He's on the cusp of, of, of being not only a, a, a third-pairing defenseman, but a second-pair to top-pair defenseman now, like today. He might not have the size yet, but that's something he can get like next year. He can gain 10 pounds of muscle over the summer easy. You set up my argument beautifully, Mitch. Why I like him in the seventh D-man role right now is because I don't think he has the size. And I think you can pick your spots of when you're going to play him and when you're going to rest Johnny Boychuk. 
but I'm not sure if Noah Dobson can handle a full 82-game season at 19 years old. He, again, has talent. He put up a point in his first game, and it was, it was a really nice play. He steps up along the boards and put a beautiful pass to Matt Martin. The talent is there. That's not what I'm saying. I just think for you got to get through this year, one with Johnny Boychuk and trying to keep him healthy. And it's not like Noah Dobson's not going to play as a seventh defenseman. He's as most seven D men play about half the games, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Um, can we get Johnny Gaudreau on the phone or um, Alex DeBrincat? Can we get either of those guys? Because they don't have size, but they seem to be doing pretty darn well. What position do they play? Do they play defense? No, they don't. But does it matter? I they, think they it still, does. They make still a have big to deal with the physicality. They still have to go into the corner and retrieve pucks. They're wingers. They still have to go and retrieve pucks and have behemoth Zidane Ochera, you know, hulking down on them, trying to smash them through the boards. And they still put up, let me check, DeBrincat had 76 points and 41 goals last year. What I'm trying to tell you here is that size shouldn't dictate um, your spot on the roster. It sounds like that's coming from someone who's undersized. I'm six feet tall, so already I'm fine for the NHL. I am undersized in terms of my weight, but uh, I, I haven't taken a summer to work it out because I'm just too effing lazy. <laughs> That's why I'm not in the NHL. Also because I've never played competitive hockey. I'm right there with you, but I, I'm a little closer on the size, but I can't really skate backwards, so that's probably an issue. That would be an issue, specifically for defensemen. Yes. Um, with Dobson, though, I think it plays a bigger role because he's going to play in front of the net, and like I said, pick your matchups. Are you going to want to play him against the New Jersey Devils with Wayne Simmons in front of the net? Probably not. You'd probably rather Johnny Boychuk. True. Yeah, well, what that's the thing. Can Johnny Boychuk get to the, the front of the net when uh, Wayne Simmons is coming in off the rush? Probably not. No, maybe not. But that's why I think there's a balance. I think that if you had to... Okay, let's say this. Yeah. How many games do you think Johnny Boychuk plays this year? If Noah Dobson wasn't there? Just... How many games do you think he plays? Probably 30, 40, something between there. You don't think he plays? Less than half the year. You think Johnny Boychuk's playing less than half the year this year? Yes. Okay. Well, that's not the direction I thought this was going. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Johnny Boychuk plays, let's say, 60 games. Okay. Because that's about what he's played over his tenure with the New York Islanders per year. Yep. Well, let's say Scott Mayfield plays 70 games this year. Yep. Probably fair, right? That is 32 games between the two of them that aren't being played, which could go to Noah Dobson right there. Less than half a season. Right, but then I'm sure there's going to be some sprinkled in with injuries and stuff like that. Most times... You're playing like eight defensemen a year usually. It's not like six guys, how you do it. This is it, 82 games, and that's it. You're right, yeah. So he's going to get his get, chances. Uh, Jared Spurgeon on the phone? 5'9", Jared Spurgeon? Can we get him? You, oh, it took you that long to think of a small defenseman? <laughs> that's is that what you've been doing the last 20 online. minutes? Oh, okay. See, this, I, that, what is this, that was lame, because that's not even Mitch like just... Ra I thought you just sat there racking your brain for five minutes. Mitch definitely went to Google and was like, defenseman under five foot. 10. Yeah, I knew there was one that had a good year, and I was like, who the heck is he? And I couldn't think of him, and it was Jared Spurgeon at 5'9". Former Islander draft pick. Yeah, that's right. Uh, covered him previously in the podcast. Um, 
But listen, man, like I, I there, there's no reason that you're you're gonna keep Noah Dobson on the scratch pad for arguably thirty to four like for what is it? Forty to fifty games? Come on, man. Like, yes, they're gonna play him a ton in the QMJHL. Well, like what else is he gonna do? Is sit there? What's he learning in the press box? Yes, he's practicing with the team, so there's some value there. All right, fine. But what about playing? What about actually getting out on the ice during game day in competitive situations? He's going to do that 40 times a year. Uh, I, maybe, maybe not. According to your lady, he might even just get 32 games. Okay, fine. How about this? Would you rather? Yes. Because there's only there's no AHL option. So it's either, there would you not. rather 35 games of Noah Dobson at the NHL level, or would you rather him get sent back to the queue, play 40 minutes a night every night? Go to Go to Europe. See, I don't agree with that either. I, <laughs> I don't. We obviously completely disagree on this, and we're not going to get anywhere. But both of us have his best interest at mind, right? But to me, it's get him into game day situations. Look how, how quickly he matured against the Oilers. He started off shaky in the first period, grew in confidence in period number two, and then scored a beautiful, not scored, but set up Matt Barton for a beautiful goal in period number three. Like, he just grew and grew and grew within a game, a game. Within 60 minutes, we saw the maturation and, like, the lessons soak into his sponge-like brain. I like this kid a lot. I think he's going to be here for a long time. I think Johnny Boychuk gets moved after this year, so he gets a permanent spot. But for the reasons being that he's 19 years old, and that he isn't at the proper size yet. I think that they lean on Johnny Boychuk a little bit more. All right, fine. We agree to disagree. I, I think Noah Dawson plays Johnny Boychuk off the off the roster at a certain point. Okay, off the roster or to the press box. To, sorry, the press box. Okay, off off the game day roster and onto the active roster. There you go. All right. I guess we'll we'll have to see on that one, but uh, we will definitely have to see. There you go. Uh, but. Picked up a point in his first game, and he looked pretty good. That he I am did. happy about. He he grew into the game. That was the important part, is he grew into it. He was nervy, obviously, game one. Uh, didn't play the, the puck in the penalty box, first off. Um, what's up, Matthew Barzell? <laughs> um, but he grew into the game against tough opposition. Like Yeah, it was Edmonton Oilers, and they shouldn't they shouldn't have been any good. But you still have to play against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Those are, that, that's going to rattle you for a bit. That's a 100-point player every year on the ice skating at you. Although I'm not sure how many times he saw actual Connor McDavid on the ice. But still, I'm sure at some point he did. So that's intimidating for a new kid. Yeah, I would definitely think so. I mean, you're... You're playing and you're sitting there, you know, watching or playing with rather guys that you watched on TV growing up not too long ago. That's right. So that's got to be that's got to be intimidating. But he grew and he matured and that's just going to keep happening all season long. And so if that's where he's at now today and Barry Trotz can't stop like talking him up, he's going to play John, uh, Johnny Boychuk off of the number six spot. He's go, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Always right. That's not true. I'm I'm not always right. <laughs> Maybe All like ten percent right. of the time. All right, Mitch. I think it's quiz time. Let's do it. So, as you know, it is the Jesse Graham edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. So, for the socials, this segment, the quiz segment, I will ask Matt three questions, and it's usually the same ones. Uh, I may just word them differently because I forget how I write them out. Um, so three questions, you got to get them right, and if you win, uh, I don't know, I say you're the 
I, Islanders genius. Islanders draft genius slash, I don't know. Everything. Master. There you go. So, question number one. What position did Jesse Graham play? Center. If you knew the twenty, sorry. If you knew the twenty twenty, the twenty twelve draft, oh, you would damn. know what position he played. I can I change my answer? Yes. Defense. Yes, because they only drafted defense. Right. Yeah. Once you said that, I knew exactly where you're going. All right. I'm changing it to defense. That's fine. I don't. I don't care if you get them all right. It's the fun of the question, and you at home play along. Uh, number two. How many NHL games did Jesse Graham play? Can you give me like some benchmark to guess around? None at all. Uh, a zero was in the number somewhere. Ten. Zero. <laughs> okay. He didn't play a single NHL game. Um, and then lastly, third question. Where did he play last? If you can give me the year, that'd be even better. Where did he play last? So uh, I will accept again the league or the team name. If you can give me league, team name, and year, oh, God, you win. You can get all the, all of them wrong, all the other ones wrong. All right, what's his last name again? Jesse Graham is his full name. Jesse Graham? Graham. Like, Graham. Like Graham Crackers. I'm going to say ECHL. Incorrect. The AHL. He played for the Utica Comets last year. 2018, really? 2019. Put up 18 points in 52 games. Okay. And there and, you go. That, that is Jesse Graham. I can't believe I forgot Jesse Graham. <laughs> he was a sixth-round pick for the Islanders in 2012, 155th overall. I don't necessarily blame you for forgetting him. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, there you have it. I'm, I'm glad we did that little quiz segment, Mitch. <laughs> it's fun. It's so much fun. Oh, boy. All right. Well, now when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment. All right, Mitch, it is time to check out Isles Twitter. What do you got for us? Um, the first one is from at I-C-U-L-T-N-Y, so I-Cult-N-Y, I guess. I don't know. Help me pronounce your Twitter handle. Anyways, he says, or she says, uh, this is in response to uh, Noah Dobson scoring against the uh, the Oilers. Or not scoring, but setting up Matt Martin. Says, the New York Islanders beating all the Oilers not named James Neal which I thought was pretty funny because James Neal had inexplicably four goals against the Islanders. He's already one goal away from his entire total from last year, where he played 63 games and scored seven goals. That he is six. crazy that he has six, and four of them came in the game last night. That's wild. It's insane. And he made it look easy. Oh, no, he did. Yeah, he definitely made it look easy. So good, good job by Ken Holland in that one. Do you have another one? I have a couple that I want to share. Okay. So one, I want to give a shout out to Josh Bailey for playing his 800th game with the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. What a ride it's been for Josh Bailey. He was a first round pick in 2008, made the team in 2000. Did he play that first year? He did. He did play that he first year. straight into the team. And struggled early on Yeah. And for chunks of his first nine years with the team. <laughs> and then... Over the last three, four years? This would be the fourth, yeah. This would be the fourth year. Has really turned it around, and he is shutting a lot of people up on a regular basis. He is. 
Um, so I think that, that correct me if I'm wrong. Did the, the Josh Bailey song change a bit? So it used to be, from what I remember, uh, uh, why? Uh, what is it? How? Not how did, hey, did it seem? Hey, hey, yeah, Josh yeah, Bailey. J- Josh Bailey. Ooh, ah, I want to know there it is. when you'll really? score a goal. When, when you'll, you'll score, score that goal, or yeah. score a goal. Yeah. Now it seems, if I'm not mistaken, they're singing, "How will you? Or how did you score that goal?" Which is a much is a much more positive change to the song than it used to be. I am okay. I just this is my, my own. Un- head? This is my understanding. I am pretty sure when he is on the ice and doesn't score, it's ooh, ah, I want to know will you score a goal, and then after he scores, it's what do you know you scored a goal. Okay, maybe That's, I just didn't know the song that well. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I don't okay. know. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay, I I looked up. I should look up the lyrics. That's what I'll do. I'll spend my day looking for. <laughs> Good. Uh, my second one I want to talk about is just overreactions in general. Mm. Uh, Brock Nelson is not terrible. He's got off to a bad start. He has 10 penalty minutes in three games. He is not a terrible <laughs> hockey player. I know. Where you, I know where you're going with this. Semyon Verlamov is also not a bad goalie. I can, no. the the turn on Varlamov after two games is a little nuts, and I understand you miss Leonard. I miss Robin Leonard too. He was a great goalie last year. I was really attached to his story, and it sucks to see him go. But Varlamov is at minimum comparable to Robin Leonard. He is not going to put up one goal every night. He is going to have a clunker mixed in every once in a while, and after one performance where that wasn't even necessarily his fault. The Islanders took a million penalty minutes and they scored two power play goals against. And the other James Neal one wasn't even realistically that his fault. No. Um, it's a lot of overreaction. I, I, I get it. Like I, I wrote a piece today that Michael Del Cole needs to step up. So I, I get the inclination to be like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, but at at this point, Simeon Varlamov's position isn't up for debate. Like it's there; it's he's around for four years. Yeah, there's a couple that that did not look good. Like game one, that that the first goal that he gave up on the season was not great. That was no. a weak goal. No, yes. Uh, the one on the power play against the Oilers, yeah, that was weak for sure. But Robin Leonard let in some weak ones too, guys. Like his second game for the Islanders, five two scoreline against the Nashville Predators. It's going to so, happen. There's going to be games along the way. And like we said, it's a small sample size. He looked very good in the preseason. Like, are we going to forget that? And outside of that first goal against uh, the Capitals, he looked pretty darn good. He let up one more after that. And even then, that, that wasn't that was a good goal, right? I forget who scored that one already. Was it Vrana? No, Vrana, Vrana was the, the first one. one. I don't know. I didn't watch the Washington game. Capitals. They suck. Oshi sticking out? Yeah, it was a power play goal. TJ Oshi. All right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I just want to say, uh, cool your jets, man. <laughs> at Isles Twitter, cool your jets, please. I don't know. It's fine. I love the. I love the reaction. The passion is there. It's great. Fine. Keep it up. It's just maybe not like, like Brock Nelson sucks. Okay. Well, right now he's sucking, but like he's not a bad player. It's just not right now. It's not I, his night tonight. Although it was not the Islanders' night that night at all. There's, there wasn't very one, true. Anthony Beauvillier side. They all played terribly. Yes. Just about. Yes. Uh, I have else? one last one. Hit me. Okay, it's from Chris Long. So at Joel91, whatever. Chris Long, the I don't know. Who, I don't know who this person is. Sure, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's an anti-robot. I don't know who this player is. 
or this guy is. Okay. I think he's a player. He's played games anyways. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, 627,000 followers. So he's obviously very popular, yeah. and I, I live under a rock. Um, said that, uh, let me bring it up here. Saw Clay Matthews break his job playing the Seahawks last Thursday. He walked off under his own power. Never seen a hockey player actually walk off after a broken jaw. Uh, which I've been told was a troll job. Uh, somehow that makes it better. Like he was trolling hockey fans because they're sensitive. That makes how, sense. Just knowing who, knowing Chris Long and his personality, that I didn't see the tweet, but it makes sense. How is that any better if he's trolling? It's not. I don't know. There's, I like, guess oh, not. Well, hockey fans are insecure, so I'm, I'm going to poke them for their insecurities because, like my sport. Screw you. You're you're showing how insecure you are. You have to poke someone else because they're insecure. We're all insecure, Chris. We get it. Everyone's insecure. Everyone likes, wants to make sure that everyone else likes what we like. We, we're all on the same page here. You don't have to troll people about that. That's the most inefficient troll job I've ever seen in my life. Just self-immolate at this point if you're going to be that kind of dumb troll. And what I mean by self-immolate, you should get it as a troll thing. Uh, trolls can only die if you burn them or hit them with acid. I didn't know that, but I clicked on his profile and he has the Highwaymen as his cover photo, so I feel like I can't get mad at him. I guess. I don't... Cool, I suppose. You don't know who they are, do you? It's Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, and I don't remember the guy in the middle with the top hat. You got three out of four. That's impressive. Waylon Jennings is the fourth. Of course. I don't listen to Waylon Jennings, but I should have known. I'm... That might be the most impressive thing on this podcast that just Mitch just named three out of four of the uh, Highwaymen. Listen, I worked at a music store. I'm, I'm pretty con, uh, you know, I, I know my things. I don't. <laughs> I'm so dumb. You are not dumb. Please don't say that. Um, right. So, yeah, so Chris Long, please, like, if you're going to troll, I guess, like, I can't stop you from trolling, but it just, come on, man. Like, that, that doesn't make it any better if you're going to troll. That, be, that just doesn't make it any better. It's be a dumb better. thing. Be better. There you go. All right, so before we get out of here, let's do a couple more plugs. So like we mentioned earlier, if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to our Patreon page. That way you can get post-game shows, mailbags, which we're going to record right after this, and all kinds of other content for 5 bucks a month. Definitely worth it. You can follow along with us on social media, at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter account is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, which is available on iPhone or Android. You can also visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And I think that's it. That's it. You got it, buddy. Okay. Episode 112 in the books. We have hockey back. Things are looking up, Mitch. Things are looking up. They're starting to look up. (laughs) They're absolutely starting to. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
Sports. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.